So, uh, so it rained last night. Did anybody notice that? <laughs> so I, uh, we went to a marching band competition uh, with, for our son last night, and, um, and it was raining almost the whole time, but we never got wet. It was like just a, a mist that was sort of there the whole time. So obviously, we need a little bit more than that. But we, we live um, in a world where water is the most abundant resource on this planet. Um, yet fresh water is not equally accessible, right? So in western New York, where I grew up, we have Niagara Falls. And something like a million gallons of water pour over those falls every second, right? Which is a lot of water. My, my wife is from Seattle, which is, and there's a lot of water there too. And then you have places like, I don't know, California, where it rains and you never get wet. And we obviously sort of long for, for more and more rain. Or there are other places, even worse than that, where a woman might wait in line for 10 hours to collect muddy water from a small hole in the ground. Water is abundant and water is scarce all at the same time. And so as we continue to move into this season of stewardship or this giving season, I want us to hold together abundance and scarcity. As we look ahead to 2023 and to our budget and the programs that we're doing, I want our, our abundance to serve those suffering from scarcity. And I hope also that our presence here and any way that we might volunteer or serve and, and any way we might give, financially or in other ways, that it will come from a deep awareness of, of a grace and, and a love and a belonging that is freely given, even if we're not able to give. So, water is abundant Water is scarce, which is where we find Jesus in John chapter 4. In the desert, at a well. So let's listen to John chapter 4, starting in verse 5. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Jesus' disciples had gone to the city to buy food. In parentheses, it says that. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria. And then in parentheses, Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? And with his sons and his flocks, um, and whose sons and flocks drank from it. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. 
But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Jesus is thirsty. Think about that. Jesus is thirsty. Modern sports scientists tell us that if we are thirsty, then we are already partially dehydrated. If, if you are um, uh, participating in any endurance activity like cycling or cross-country skiing or running, they tell us that you're supposed to eat before you get hungry and you're supposed to drink before you get thirsty because if you get thirsty, you're already dehydrated. And if you're hungry, you're already depleted of energy. So Jesus is thirsty, which means that Jesus is dehydrated, which means that Jesus is human. I I don't know quite what to say about that, but for some reason, knowing that Jesus was thirsty in the same physical way that I get thirsty means something. So there is a woman in Samaria who is thirsty, which means that she is dehydrated, which means that at a very basic level, she is human, just like you, just like me, just like Jesus. But this basic human connection that they have, that we have all with one another, this basic human connection between this woman and Jesus is buried beneath layer after layer after layer of conflict. This is why this woman says to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? I mean, think about how often this scene plays out in our everyday life. The next time you go to the grocery store or you're at a restaurant, just look around and notice how your basic human need for food brings you in contact with people who are different than you, right? People who you wouldn't normally connect with or be close to if it weren't for your desire to eat and to drink. Or imagine being married or in a significant relationship and for any number of small or large reasons, you feel disconnected. Maybe for that day, maybe it's been weeks, maybe it's been years. But then in this moment of hunger, you find yourselves together in the kitchen. And maybe it's a small kitchen, so it's probably not here in the United States. (laughs) Or it's here in Santa Monica, uh, at least in the small houses that were built a long time ago. And and, and so you you don't want to pass each other or, or get in each other's way And so you ask, can you pass me the cheese or the butter or whatever it is that you're wanting? Um, Now, because of your differences, this person or you might respond, how is it that you, you, a man who is wrong, in parentheses, who is wrong, (laughs) asks me, your spouse or your significant other, who is, in parentheses, right For the cheese. How is it that you ask me for something when we have layer upon layer of conflict and disconnection? Our physical hunger and our physical thirst brings us into these moments of conflict and these moments of opportunity for connection and even for healing. 
So what is most real at this well for this woman is that our differences divide us. But Jesus sees this moment very differently, so he shifts the conversation from well water to, to spring water or, or living water. So well water requires work. I mean, she, noticed, she says this, like you need a bucket, and uh, it's a deep well. So you need a bucket, you need rope. It requires effort and strength to let the bucket down and to pull the bucket back up, to let it down and pull it back up again. Well water can become stagnant, it can become dirty and contaminated. Well water can eventually run out. But living water is, is running water. It is moving, which is why it's called living. It is water from a stream or a spring or a fountain. Living water flows to us without effort. It is more likely to be clean and cold and refreshing. Living water is an unending source of life. And who doesn't want that, right? So as a spiritual metaphor, well water is sort of the kind of, of religion that I, I grew up with, where the primary point of all of it, either overtly or sort of just under the surface, was behavior management. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced religion in this way. Probably not, just me. So gaining access to this well water required a lot of do this and don't do that. Actually, it was mostly like just don't do all of that, right? And don't do this because this might lead to that and that might lead to dancing and dancing will lead to premarital sex, right? Which will cause the spiritual well to dry up forever. It, it, it sort of feels like I, I grew up... <laughs> in the Christianity of the movie Footloose. Do you, do you remember that? Where like the, the town pastor has outlawed dancing and rock and roll and, and Kevin Bacon and the preacher's daughter sort of lead a dance revolution. Maybe I should be that guy for Halloween this year. I don't know. So from this behavior management perspective, the only way to read this story about the woman at the well is to view her as someone who has ruined her life because of her bad behavior. Because in her conversation with Jesus, we discover that she's had five husbands, and the one she's living with now is not even her husband. So obviously, kids, this is what happens when you start dancing, especially as adolescents, right? Except it's not true. Because of patriarchy, because of, of sexism, it's unlikely that she ever had enough freedom to be responsible, to be at fault. If anything, she was the one who was left behind either by divorce or by death. And the fact that she is now living with a man who is not her husband likely means that she has had to sell herself into slavery. And so this woman comes to the well for water because she is dehydrated, but her body carries a deeper thirst for release and for healing. And Jacob's well can't offer her that kind of water. Neither does a faith grounded in just try harder or just be better. It doesn't offer us the release and the healing that we really thirst for and long for. 
So while I, while I was in seminary, studying to be a pastor, of all things, I started having these moments where my body would tense up, and I would, I would get anxious every time I opened the Bible, or started to pray, or at times every time I went to, to church, which is like a terrible thing to have happen if you're going to be a pastor, right? It seemed like in that moment that the well grounded in right behavior had dried up. What had worked for so long in my life was no longer working and my body was telling me this is not working. Because behavior management can only take us so far, right? Like it actually can't fully change our character or address some of the, the struggles that we have. So, do you know what helped? As I, as I said last week, this is the stuff that I'm not supposed to say out loud. Like, especially during giving season, especially when we're putting a budget together and trying to figure out how we keep the lights on or how we change the light bulbs. My faith was refreshed in that particular season by a spiritual practice of not praying and not reading the Bible, except I did need to read the Bible in classes, so that, that was different, and sometimes not going to church. I had to pay attention to my body and when it would tense up and feel really anxious, I had to pay attention to it in those moments because I knew that being in those environments had once been helpful, but but for some reason were no longer helpful. Actually, sometimes I would go to church only for the communion. I don't know if that happens here, actually. I don't pay attention like, well enough if anybody sneaks in the back just for communion on communion Sundays. Um, but that's what I longed for because even our spiritual struggles are always physical. We feel all of it in our bodies. Um, Judaism and Christianity are Eastern religions, and in Eastern religions, there is no separation of the spirit from the body. <clears throat> we are all one. We are all whole. And so what happens to us emotionally and, uh, and um, intellectually and spiritually is all connected to our bodies, and we feel it in our bodies. So those little pieces of bread and that little tiny cup of juice was an abundance of nourishment for my soul and for my body. Now, I hope that you're not all in that same place <laughs> so that like nobody's here next week. He said, don't come to church, don't read the Bible, don't pray. I hope that you're not all in the same place as I was then, but it's just sort of a, a reminder of how important it is to pay attention to our bodies, to what our body is trying to tell us, to what we long for, what we're thirsting for, and what we, what we really need in any given season. And I hope that as we create, sort of continue to create a community together, that we will be people who will be able to pay attention to what is needed. And as a community, we can surround one another, regardless of, of what we're going through, whether it's, it's doubt or feelings of struggle when we come to church or whether or not we're able to pray or read the Bible or serve or give, that this is a place where we can bring the truth of who we are and what we're going through in any given season. So it's important to pay attention 
to our bodies and what our bodies are trying to tell us. And so that's what, what I was doing when I wasn't praying and when I wasn't reading the Bible and when I wasn't going to church. I was discovering what this Samaritan woman discovered in that encounter with Jesus at the well, that Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves at times and offers us living water, refreshing, endless, life-giving water for souls and for bodies that thirst for release, for souls and bodies that thirst and hunger for rest, for souls and bodies that need healing. Please pray with me. Jesus, thank you for our bodies, for this physical world. We pray that your spirit would move among us to refresh us, to heal us, to give us rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.